Welcome to Alger Assembly of God, and welcome back to our series entitled Elijah. We've been studying Elijah, uh, the prophet Elijah from the Old Testament, and this is a little bit of a different message, a little bit of a different podcast. Uh, this is a uh, re-preaching of this message. Uh, with our service this past Sunday, we lost electricity to our entire area uh, right in the morning, and so we had half of our Sunday School Discipleship Hour, and the majority of our morning worship service was without electric, without power, and it came back on towards uh, the end part of our service and the message, so we did not have that recorded. So uh, this is just me preaching, wanting to get this down and and uh, come out a little bit different than maybe how it was preached and proclaimed on Sunday, but wanted you to hear this and wanted you to be a part of, of what God is doing here at Alger Assembly of God and a part of this message. So we've been introduced to Elijah the Tishbite, and he stood before King Ahab. He declared there would be no rain. He declared that there would be no dew. And in our very first message in this series, this was the introduction, we saw that godly leaders, godly men, godly women, godly young people, godly children will stand for God. And that's what Elijah did as he stood before King Ahab. Last time together, we discovered somewhat of a formula for faithfulness. And we saw that when we hear and do what God says, we will see what God does. So when we last left Elijah, still in the opening verses, if you would, of 1 Kings chapter 17, and the the last verse that we ended up with last time is the first verse we'll start with again, and that's 1 Kings 17 verse 7. It says, sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Elijah was by the brook Cherith, God was feeding him by the ravens twice a day, bread and meat, and then water through this brook. But the rains had stopped. No rain, no dew, and now it says the brook dried up because there was no rain. In a sense, Elijah was with everyone else. He was in a state of drought. Now, maybe you're not in a physical drought. Maybe there's plenty of rain where you are, but maybe spiritually speaking, you sense or feel a spiritual drought, or you're in the midst of a financial, a relational drought. Just the situation that you are facing, it seems impossible. How do we overcome it? How do we get through it? We're going to take a look here at the Word of God, 1 Kings chapter 17. The title of the message today is, How to Get Out of a Drought. I believe as we see some of the things that God was doing in and through Elijah in this process, I believe will apply to you and I as well. How to get out of a drought. First of all, I believe we need to leave our comfort zone. So when the brook dries up and there's no rain, verse 8, 1 Kings 17 says this, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath. You see, we've got to be willing to leave our comfort zone. Now, scholars would say that Elijah was probably here by the brook for about two years, and then it dries up. Now, certainly this brook wasn't home. Certainly this this was not all the amenities of home. Food was being brought by ravens. 
but it's what he knew. It, it was, to some degree, comfortable. He'd spent time and had gotten used to this situation. It was familiar, and he was in that comfort zone. Now, perhaps God is allowing this brook to dry up so that he can move him and guide him into the next step, the next plan, the next part of his will. And sometimes God might allow those things to happen in our lives. Maybe we get a little too comfortable. Maybe we need to leave our comfort zone. It's one of those first steps to getting out of a drought. Now, God calls him, and he says, go at once to Zarephath. Zarephath is that smelting and refining place. That's, that's more of that definition or interpretation of that name. And so he came from Cherith, the cutting place, cutting off or cutting down, now to a place of refining. God's, God's doing some great things in him in order to do some great things through him. Elijah doesn't argue, but he simply follows God's new direction question for you and a question for me. Are we willing to obey God even when it doesn't always make a whole lot of sense? So Elijah had been taken care of by ravens for possibly up to a couple of years, and God calls him away from that to go someplace else. And what he's about to tell him didn't make a whole lot of sense. Are you and I willing to obey? Are you and I willing to leave our comfort zone even when it doesn't make sense? So let me ask you, what might God be speaking to your heart? What is he nudging or encouraging or telling you to do? If you don't know, spend some time with him and, and, and get in his presence to hear and to sense what he desires to do, but maybe he's nudging you out of your comfort zone. So I encourage you to, to find out what that is, but maybe God's stretching, maybe God's nudging you out of your comfort zone, the first step, perhaps, in getting out of a drought. Secondly, I believe that we need to face our fears. Beginning of verse 9 says this, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Zarephath was a town on the Mediterranean sea coast just south of Sidon. It was the hometown of Jezebel, King Ahab's sinful wife. I mean, why in the world would he need to be sent into her hometown. He, he's now got to face up to his fears of going to this hometown, this place represented by Jezebel. Not only that, it's about a 100-mile journey from the dried-up brook Cherith. So the drought was in full swing, not exactly the best time to travel. Plus, Elijah's face was probably on all of those most wanted posters hanging everywhere. He's the one who had declared to the king, no rain, no dew, and now everything had dried up. Everything was in a drought. He'd been secluded for quite a while next to this brook, but now he's got to travel somewhere around 100 miles to go to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, getting him out in the open, where perhaps everybody, King Ahab specifically, would be looking for him, 
And that seems to be rather dangerous. He's got to go do this and face his fears. When fear overwhelms us, let's remember some of these things. Things that Elijah would no doubt be comforted with, but things that are good for you and I. When facing fears, remember that God knows where you are. It's easy to forget sometimes in the midst of our difficulty, in the midst of hardships, in the midst of trials, we feel like God has forgotten us, but he hasn't. God knows exactly where you are. We read this in Isaiah 41.10. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. God knows exactly where you are. Not only does God know where you are, but God also knows where you're going. God led Elijah. God directed him to Cherith, and God directed him from Cherith to Zarephath. And God's able to lead and guide and direct you and I where we need to go. He's able to lead us out of our drought one step at a time. God said, go at once. Don't wait. Don't pause. Go at once to Zarephath and stay there. That's an interesting part as well. Sometimes we're willing to try something or be a part of something different for a brief moment. Let's, let's try it out for an hour. Try it out for a day. Try it out for a season. But to stay there and not know the time frame, not know what that next step is or how long that would be, that, that's a challenge. It's, it's facing our fears, but it's, it's knowing that God's with us. So God knows where we are. God knows where we're going. Remember that God has prepared that place just for you. Wherever God tells you to go, know that he's there first. He's there. His presence is there. He is preparing it for you. There's no need to fear what God has in store for you in the future. So replace your fear with faith and be reminded that God has already prepared a place for you. So how do you get out of a drought? First, we, we leave our comfort zone. Sometimes God nudges us. Sometimes God brings us out of where we've been to another place of where he's got us going. Many times that involves facing our fears. Thirdly, the encouragement is to trust God's provision. So he said in verse 9, the very end of verse 9, 1 Kings 17, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. This is the big plan. This is God's big dream and vision. I've got a widow to take care of you. A widow who certainly means she'd lost her husband, no doubt the main source of provision. Widows were uh, not generally the, the wealthiest of individuals. They were struggling to get by. God says, yes, that's the one that I've got prepared. That's who and what my big plan is. I've got a widow there to supply you with food. Verse 10, so he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink. 
As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Interesting. Certainly, getting out of our drought involves trusting in God and trusting in the provision he has in store for us. You see, God had already used ravens as his delivery service, and now God's about to be using a widow. God was planning to miraculously provide for her and her son that we'll meet and for Elijah the prophet until this famine ended. And the way that God's about to do it, the provision that God had in store for Elijah using this widow is kind of crazy. It's kind of out of the norm. It's, it's not necessarily something Elijah would have planned or assumed. As we're about to see the, the plan and the process in just a little bit, that's not exactly the plan or process the widow would have assumed either. She probably would have thinking something a little bit more logical. But she was, she was saying, there's not much of anything that I have. And now God's about to use her and bless her and Elijah. God is certainly much more resourceful and creative and, and mighty and powerful than anything we have in our stores and our resources. Many times we look at our situation, maybe you're guilty of it as I am, and we see there's just one option. God, it seems like there's only one way to do this very next thing. But with God, all things are possible. With God, there are many, many options available. And his provision and his resources, it's not always limited to the obvious. No doubt, Elijah, he'd been experiencing the ravens and the brook for water, and he had in his mind, here's a particular way of God providing. And God's about to do something different out of the ordinary, different than he would have expected, but God's resources are limitless. In fact, in Ephesians 3.20, we read this, God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. In other words, God's not limited by what we know, and he's not limited by what we can see. God is greater than any situation, God is greater than any circumstance that we encounter. Author Philip Yancey puts it this way, faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. <laughs> I like that. Faith is believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Believing in God providing before we see it, but afterwards, looking back, seeing it in reverse, aha, it makes sense. Elijah didn't have a whole lot to go on at this point, but he did have a memory of what God had done for him. God had been faithful for him in the past. He knew that God had called him. God had taken care of him by the brook. God had provided ravens. For meat and bread, God had provided water by the brook. God had taken care of him. And the faithfulness of God in the past led him to understand, led him to believe that, yes, this widow, her son, and he, the three of them, somehow God's going to take care of them based on his faithfulness in the past. Elijah also had 
the word of God in the present. It was probably hard for him to say those words, bring me some water. Oh, by the way, bring me some bread. As he shows up to this widow who doesn't have very much of anything, probably hard to say words like that. On the other hand, probably hard for the widow to hear and receive words like that. A stranger comes in, as we're about to see, she says, I've got just a handful of flour, just a little bit of oil. Oh, we're going we're gonna to make this and then probably die. That's it. Last meal, final meal. And you want me to give it to you? Interesting. But Elijah had the word of God. He had the faith to trust in what God was saying. And she as well trusted in, had faith in Elijah's word based on God. And she stepped in, trusted, and obeyed. Want to step out, get out of the drought that you're in? Leave the comfort zone. As God stretches and nudges you, take that step of faith. Leave your comfort zone. Face your fears. Trust the provision of God. And then fourthly, give what you have. Give what you have. You see, these go hand in hand. Trusting God and then giving and submitting and surrendering to him what it is that we have. Often, we want God to bless us and provide for us first, and then we will act. See, the issue is for us to trust God and to take that step of faith first. People will say, I, I don't know that I can trust. I, I don't know that I can take that step of faith and give. But if God blesses, if God gives me a million dollars, then, then I'll step out and tithe. Then I'll step out and give. Then I'll step out and do some of the things that God's called me to do. You see, we've got it backwards. We say, okay, show me, and then I'll believe. And in many cases, it's that trust and it's that taking the step of faith first. God's able to do the miracle. Many times, he simply wants us to take that step of faith, be a part and say, God, I trust in you. Give what we have. Verse 12 reads like this. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she said, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. Wow. God is able to do a miracle, and God's going to use her taking this incredible step of faith. What's the challenge for you and I? It's, it's that challenge to step out in faith when we don't see the response. You see, we, we get it backwards. We want the response, we want the blessing, and then we'll step out. Once we've received the blessing, it's no longer faith. It's no longer stepping out. Jesus in Matthew 6.33 says to seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you as well. But you see, we get that backwards. We want all the other things. We want all the other stuff. We want everything that comes with it. And once we have all that stuff, then we'll say, okay, God, now I'll seek you. Now I'll trust in you. Now I'll seek out your faithfulness. But God many times is asking for that step of faith, taking that step first, sometimes before the needs are met. You think about Moses who stretched out his hand before the Red Sea was parted. Or the Israelites who walked around Jericho seven days before the walls fell. Or Naaman the the leper who was to wash seven times in the Jordan before being healed of his leprosy. Now, what was the purpose of this? Is, Is God asking these things of us? Is God asking these things of Moses or the Israelites or Naaman or here of this woman? Is God simply doing this to embarrass us? No. To try to get a a laugh at our expense? No. Perhaps God's wanting us to participate with these simple steps of faith. You see, the widow wasn't asked to do something crazy or incredible. She was asked to give something she had. She wasn't asked to give what she didn't have but what she did. In turn, yes, she was willing to give what she did have, no matter how insignificant. I want to encourage you today. Never underestimate what God can do through ordinary individuals. God can use you. God can use me in a mighty way when we simply give and offer and surrender to him all of who we are and simply all that we have for him. Imagine what God can do through you and I in in our limited resources when we give ourselves what we have to him in faith. Let me ask you today, what are you holding back from God? Maybe maybe there's things in your life you say, okay, God, I'll I'll do certain things for you, but don't ask me to do this. Don't touch this. There's there's a part of my life that's mine, God. You can't have it. Are there certain things that we've kept off limits to God? God's wanting us to give and submit and surrender all of who we are to him, and we say everything but this, everything but this part, everything but that. Maybe God's challenging you today, and he's encouraging you to give what you have. He's not asking, you, uh, not asking you to give what you don't, but to give what you do have. Hudson Taylor had served in China, had experienced God's presence and power and provision. He had a quote that I came across that I thought was powerful. He said, God's work done God's way will receive God's supply. God's work done God's way will receive God's supply. I want to encourage you today. Step out of your comfort zone. Face the fears. What God's calling you to do might be scary, might be challenging. Face up to those fears. He's with you. Trust his provision. Then go ahead and give what it is that you have. And finally today... To get out of the drought, believe 
God for the impossible. 1 Kings 17, the end of verse 15, we see what happened. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Wow. Can you imagine that? How incredible would that be to go to your refrigerator every day? That, that, that jug of milk is just never empty. That container of eggs is always full. That loaf of bread is, is never half or empty. There's always something there. It's incredible what God did. God did the impossible. But if that's not enough, let's continue on with the rest of this biblical account and read through Verse 17, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Verse 19, give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. He cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Wow. Believe God for the impossible. I want to encourage you today to do just that, to believe God for the impossible, even if it's something that's never, ever been done before. Now, you and I, in, in our modern day and age, we, we, we've got the entire Word of God, and, and we've got the whole breadth of Scripture to look at. And we know that Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was raised back to life on the third day. We see that. We know that. We understand that. We know that Jesus himself he raised Lazarus back from the dead. And we see biblical accounts through Scripture, individuals dying, being brought back to life. We've got that perspective that it, though rare, is possible. But what about Elijah? Where is the precedent in the Word of God for anybody to, to maybe address God that way? or believe for somebody to be brought back from the dead. In the biblical account up to this point, it had not taken place. Elijah wasn't able to pray and say, God, I want you to do what you've done for Moses, because that wasn't something that had been done for Moses. He couldn't say, God, do as you've done for Abraham. That hadn't been done for Abraham. All Elijah could do was to trust and believe God for the impossible and wait on him. And maybe that describes exactly where you're at today. You're in a situation 
where it seems impossible. Yes, you look back and, and you see the faithfulness of God and, and God's, he's moved in certain situations and God's done some things in your life, but boy, it just doesn't compare to what you're facing now. It seems unprecedented. Those financial issues that maybe God has provided for or supplied in the past pale in comparison to that mountain of debt that you face now. Or maybe the healing you've experienced, God relieving headaches, God, God helping in some aches and pains pale in comparison to the news you've gotten from your doctor or the surgery that is right around the corner. You remember how maybe God has blessed and touched your friend, your family member, but you know, now, now it's different. It's, it's you. You've not experienced this touch, this blessing in this way. I want to encourage you to believe God for the impossible, even if it's never been done before. We're encouraged. We see that God has done some incredible things. God supplied food and drink to Elijah from birds, the ravens. God guided and, and directed Elijah to a specific place, to a poor, simple widow woman with a son, a handful of flour, and just a little bit of oil. And God miraculously fed and supplied for them for an extended period of time and then raised the son back to life. God has a history of making the impossible possible. With God, all things are possible. Trust in him. Believe in him. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you, no matter what drought you might be in, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, whatever it is that you are facing, and it seems like you are not able to make it. You can make it because it is God working in and through you. Take a step of faith. Put some action with your faith today. And to get out of that drought, leave your comfort zone. Maybe God's nudging or stretching you out of what's comfortable. Though it might not be the best situation that you are in right now, it's home. It's comfortable. You've been there a while. Maybe God's nudging you to that next step. Leave your comfort zone. As you do that, it might be a little scary. Face those fears. God is with you. God's strength, God's comfort, God's peace, God's provision. Face your fears knowing that God is with you as he has called you. Thirdly, trust in his provision. You know what he's, what he's calling you to do? And, and maybe as he nudges and, and, and encourages you out of that comfort zone, you say, really, this? Me? How's it going to work, God? Trust in him. Trust in his provision. And then give what you have. You say, God, I'm not able to do what you've called me to do. What is it that you have? What resources? Who are you as an individual? God, I'm not sure how to make this happen, but I'm giving of myself. I'm all in, God, and I want you to use me, I'm, I'm going to give it. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to submit it to you. 
give what you have, as you give that to the Lord, then believe God for the impossible. All things are possible with him. You might be facing difficulty. You might be facing physical, uh, financial, relational, spiritual challenges. But I believe that God is able to go before you and make the impossible possible. How do you get out of a drought? Follow those principles and know that God is with you every step of the way. <laughs>